listening to Fox Sports Radio. 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 This is Straight Out of Vegas with the voice of Vegas, your host, R.J. Bell. The pregame show America has always wanted. I doubt the future. I doubt the future. From the Vegas Strip, here's R.J. Bell. Giannis is now all time, and a performance that some are saying with Jordan against the Jazz for the sixth title being the one, you know, semi-modern game. We could kind of go back maybe to Magic when he played against the, I guess it what in '79 was it the Sixers? Uh, he, uh, Magic, yeah, yeah, jumped, I think it was Philly, yeah, yeah. He Cream got hurt his rookie year and played center and had a triple double. You know, I don't know. I know that on any list of closeout games for the title, this has to be on the top five. One of the, you know the five biggest performances and the symmetry of 50 years and 50 points. I mean, it's an all-time. I mean, these are the kind of things that the kids are 15 today. When they're 45, they're going to be talking about it. And it's just something as a sports fan, I think, to enjoy. Let me ask you this, Jonas. You're drafting. You know, I'm going to go to McKay. I'm going to ask you the question, give you time to think about it when I talk to McKenzie about his human reaction. This, this should be short. Is if you were drafting for the future, meaning ages of the consideration and the quality of play. So no matter how good you think LeBron is, probably not going to be one of the top couple draft choices because he's got a you know, small number of years left. Younger is better. If you're dra- redrafting the league, take your time on this. Where is Giannis? Now, going to McKenzie, we're straight out of Vegas. McKenzie Rivers, pregame.com research. What was your human reaction? I was happy for Giannis. Talking about symmetry, he actually took the Larry O'Brien trophy uh, through the Chick-fil-A and got a 50-piece to go with his 50-piece. 50-piece chicken nuggets for his 50 points. Mm -hmm. But I was more happy because of Giannis. Did you practice that in front of the mirror? (laughs) Just in my head 20 seconds ago. But I was more happy because of Giannis and what he means to the NBA. Like, we look at James Harden, a guy that hasn't had his best performances in the biggest moments. It's a good feeling to know that one of the best players in the NBA, now and ever, is cool, calm, and collected in the biggest moments. The biggest game of his life, he has the best free throw shooting he had all season, 89%. It's just a cool thing. I'm happy to be a fan of the NBA today. So, did we get that odds of a 50% free throw shooter going up? What was it, 17 of 19? Yes, the odds of that are 1 in 2,500. Now, he does shoot a little better than 50%. If you include 56%, it's 1 in 500. Still remarkable. Uh, and the 56 was his uh, playoff average or regular season? Yeah, his playoff average entering last night's game. Okay, see, that's very smart. You can't include the 17 and 19. So, so you know, like in the hundreds, at minimum, in the hundreds and hundreds to one. Yes. All right, that that's called stepping up. Straight out of Vegas!
So, RJ, we've been talking about the Milwaukee Bucks. They are your NBA champions. They get it done in six games last night. It was a 105-98 final. Giannis goes for 50 and takes home the finals MVP. It didn't always seem so likely. Down 0-2 against Brooklyn. The postmortems were being drafted. At that point, McKenzieRiversPregame.com, what were the odds? If you would have said, I have belief in the Bucks, what were the odds to win the series and win the title at that point? They were plus 370 to win the series versus the Nets, 16 to 1 to win the title. 16 to 1. Now, you might think, man, it took a lot for them to win it. It was so unlikely. Actually, before the season started, so the preseason odds, what, where was Milwaukee at when it came to teams ranked, you know, the rankings? They were the second favorite at plus 450, only behind the L.A. Lakers. So, though as the season progressed, and they had a pretty good season, but it wasn't like the prior two. And remember, we talked about this a number of times. The, the year, the regular season Milwaukee had last year, and then the year before, so the two prior seasons, was the best two regular seasons in succession ever without a team winning a title. It was just they had monster years. They, if I'm just going by memory, but like one of the years I think was number eight, and one was like 11 all-time point differential. And if you look at the teams ahead of them, champ, champ, champ. I mean, just one year, forget two years. So this year they did something the Ravens, for example, don't tend to do during the regular season, which is sacrifice to some degree your chance to win in the regular season to prepare yourself for the postseason. When Lamar Jackson, they're up by, I don't know, 28 against the Bengals, maybe it's a time to try the stuff he's not so good at. Maybe throw a few passes. But no, Harbaugh, a bully. Some say he he has an odor problem. I'm not saying he does. I'm saying that's what people are saying, him and his brother. But the reality is the hardballs are bullies, in my opinion. Now, it could be that I'm an Ohio State grad and a Steelers fan, or it could be I'm just being objective. Bullies. And because of that, they don't seem to want to do anything they don't do exceptionally well, so they beat the Bengals by 40 and lose in the playoffs pretty much every year their first game. They got lucky last year to win a game. Well, Milwaukee, prior two years, you could make the case they were the same, protecting that pristine record, that pres- those pristine results. This year, playing zone, trying different things, making a big trade for Holiday, signing him, all in. And though they could have lost easily against Brooklyn, they won and won the title. Kudos, hat tip, because... It really was an engineered plan. It was to get better for the playoffs. And obviously Giannis himself stepped up also. Now, when they were down against Phoenix, this is when Jonas actually was a fan of of Milwaukee's chances. What were the odds when down 0-2 against the Suns? The Bucks were plus 380 at that point, only a 19% implied winning percentage. All right, so kudos. They got, um, I wouldn't say lucky. I say that they the series shifted. Chris Paul, uh, we'll talk about next year's odds in a minute, but uh, 
This was his chance, I think. It's a, I would make a major bet right now at even money. Chris Paul never wins a title. Though there yeah. are rumors that he might be looking at the Lakers. Did you hear that, Jonas? Yeah, that's been sort of thrown out for a little while now that um, the Lakers would be a possibility if Phoenix wasn't willing to, you know, to give him the the money that he was looking for, the the you know the boost in pay that he was looking for, that maybe a pairing with LeBron James uh, to sort of close out his career because those two guys are close friends might be something he'd be interested in. Mm. Yeah, I, I think I remember Carl Malone doing that. Uh, it didn't work out so well, <laughs> right. but we'll see. By the way. I test time. We're straight out of Vegas. We spent a big chunk of the show yesterday talking about Scott Foster and the record with Chris Paul on the floor. They were 0-11 in those games in the playoffs, 0-12 now. I test, Jonas, did did it seem like the game was called fairly? Yeah, I can't find anything that I would look at and go, oh, that was clearly, uh, you know, somebody was out to get the Phoenix Suns. Like, I I didn't didn't see that. Um, But, you know, Suns fans have been fixated on that for a little while now. I'm sure there's probably a play or two they could point to and have a complaint about. I didn't see anything, though. So the fact that Giannis had 19 free throw attempts and the most any player on the Suns had was five, that feels right. I mean, did they try and get to the basket like he did? I mean, he was he was aggressively trying to get to the basket, and and it didn't feel like Phoenix was. I, I don't know. I just I didn't find anything that was that was totally egregious in the game. Now and again, not that this is the only stat that matters, but if you actually look at the shots at the rim, and Milwaukee has dominated that stat throughout you know this series, but in this game specifically. It was, uh, let's see here, 27, uh, 27% of Phoenix's shots were at the rim, 33% for Milwaukee. So 6% more. Though that doesn't tell the whole story. This is fascinating. Is Phoenix and their inability to shoot corner threes. So 6% of Milwaukee's shots were corner threes. 2% of Phoenix's. That actually puts them in the third percentile. So uh, cleaning the glass has stats, and then they'll say one to 100. Would, in the third, 97% of teams in Phoenix's spot would have had more corner threes. That was a good, and that was later in the series that um, Milwaukee made some changes, adjustments that shut down those corner threes. McKenzie, did you see anything? This, you know, the numbers say. You know, and maybe you can talk about the free throw attempts overall, but what did the eye test tell you about Foster and any perceived bias? Eye test was there was no bias in calling the game. Yes, Aiton had five fouls. Yes, Chris Paul had five fouls, but they fouled a lot. When we were guarding Giannis Antetokounmpo, that's going to happen. Interesting, the Suns had 19 free throws, made 16. The Bucks had 29 free throws, made 25. And of course, Giannis making 17 of those. All right, Mackenzie Rivers. <laughs> he says no bias. So there you go. Case closed. <laughs> Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. All right, let's look at, and we're straight out of Vegas, let's look at next year's odds. And Jonas, tell me if anything looks better we'll here off your. UFC win. <laughs> the Brooklyn Nets are favored. 
three to one. So Hunter wins you three hundred. Um, my understanding is what they got Harris and the big three signed. There's rumors Kyrie might be traded. I don't know about that. Does any yeah. of those rumors feel right to you? Uh, that was something that came out after the season that maybe they might look to deal Kyrie um, because I don't, I don't know that they really have a clear understanding as to how this team is going to play together when those guys are healthy because I don't even know how many games those all three of those guys were on the court together. So, so in the I, regular season, I think it was like eight yeah, up so until I, the end of the year. Uh, yeah. That's a pretty small sample size to know what you got with those guys on the same floor together. So that's why I, I was a little skeptical that they were just going to turn around and trade Kyrie without really giving it you know an opportunity. What's your sense, McKenzie? And as a, as, a, as a fan of that team, I wouldn't want to see it broken up. But like you said, only 13 games combined, eight in the regular season, five yeah, versus the Celtics. Think, I, I don't think a lack of games is any reason to doubt. Because if you look at those 13 games, and I think we have it broken out, their offensive efficiency is through the roof. Yes, even playing limited I mean, as many games as they could together, they set the record for offensive efficiency. So I want to see it come back. That's what I'm saying. I want to see the big three come back. Let's be clear. The team itself set the record. Right. Right. And why don't you look into it as we're talking here, but when they were on the floor together, how good were, you know, or I guess there's two ways to look at it. When there was a game they all three played, look at the game, or you can look when they're on the floor together. I think look at the game because I think part of this is with those three, you got the backup. You know, the second team's always going to have a score. So look at the, those 13 games and report back to us. We are straight out of Vegas. All right. So Brooklyn Nets are favorite. The Lakers, five to one, are the second favorites. Milwaukee, third favorites, nine to one. Golden State. 12 to 1. Now remember, the big question with the draft coming up, and we'll have draft props and odds and, and the adjustments after the draft, is Golden State has Wiseman from last year. They have uh, a contract. Uh, who's the number one pick that went to Cleveland? Then they, uh, and he got traded. Oh, uh, Wiggins. Wiggins. Andrew Wiggins. Andrew, Andrew yeah. Wiggins. His, supposedly his contract's worth more than him, you know, and and then two fairly high picks this year, right? Like seven and fifteen or something like that. Um, so the theory is that's the best package if you're going for a dame uh, and him being the crown jewel. If he's going to get traded, Golden State probably has the best package, right? Wiggins and his contract, Wiseman, who was. You know what, the number two pick last year or the number three, I can't remember. And in addition, two lottery picks this year. I mean, who's got people talk Knicks? It's like the funny thing is for a guy like Dame, what he's going to want if he wants to leave, and the rumor, you know, his reports, I think it was uh, David Thorpe uh, had it a few days ago that he's going to ask for a trade. And the theory is you have to have a team that has enough to give Portland and for the cupboard not to be bare even after that. I'm not sure the Knicks, if they gave their whole team, could get Dame. And obviously there'd be nothing left. So the idea that he'd go to the Knicks, I can't even fathom that trade. But if Golden State did go with those four assets that we you know named, the two picks, last year's high pick, 
and Wiggins, they would still, especially, especially obviously if Clay comes back and is anywhere near his former self, you know, fourth favorite feels about right. Um, if you were betting Golden State, no, let's say it like this, because obviously Golden State would be better with Dame next year. If you were a Golden State fan and you had a 10-year horizon, would you want them to trade those four assets for Lillard? I mean, I don't know how Dame and Curry play together. Like, I, I don't know how that looks because Curry's, you know, a, he's a great ball handler, ball handler, really effective. I don't know what that now does with Clay Thompson if he comes back and he's 100%. Like, I think the team that makes the most sense for me would be Philly for Dame because at least if What's you're the Portland, package? yeah, at least if you're Portland, you're getting back. You could get back a Ben Simmons, uh, you know, maybe some draft picks if they needed to throw in a couple of role players, they could, and you would get them out of the Western Conference, so you wouldn't have to play them throughout the course of the year. Philly seems like, from a Philly standpoint, it makes the most sense. But to your point, what are you getting in return? And yeah. I think that's where that's if you're Portland, you've got to look into all of that. But if but if I were just a team looking at only the Dame side of it, and where would make the most sense as far as teams that would be in the market i think philly makes the most sense out of anybody but if you're portland and the choice is like and again I, mckenzie maybe you can pull the exact i think it's like 715 wiseman and uh the asset as we were talking about there with wiggins is how does Simmons and I mean we can say a few role players, but I'm you know like who I mean it's not going to be anyone that moves the needle right by definition, and so uh, so I guess it strikes me doesn't the go- if that hypothetical Golden State offer blow Philly out of the water? Uh, I I guess I just don't think. I mean, Golden do, State do you would, think that or or do you would you like the Philly deal? I don't think Golden State's going to be in the trade conversation with Portland. Okay. I mean, if if they were, yeah, that's a better deal because of all the future assets you get. I just don't think Golden State's going to look in that direction. All right, so Mackenzie, you got that research? Uh, Spencer, you got it for us? I was just pulling up the the Nets have 130 average offensive rating with the big three on the court. On, do the, we have, on the court or in the games that they play? In the games that they play, the whole team, 130 offensive rating. Okay, and they broke the record this year, all-time best with, what, 119? Yeah, it was 119. Okay, so think about that a second. It's not when they're on the court, it's when they play that this team is 11 points better than the best team of all time, which happened to be themselves without the big three on the court on every game. So that's, uh, so who was, who was the lowest, the distance between Brooklyn without the big three, I guess Brooklyn in all games, versus Brooklyn with just a big three playing, that distance was 11 points. If you take 11 points from the 119 efficiency offensively that was the record of all time that the whole the team in all games sat 11 minus that you're down to 108 where would 108 fit this season on offense 25th right above the Detroit Pistons so the distance from the best team of all time the Nets and the 25th best team this year is the same distance from the Nets in all games to the Nets with the big three that's stunning that you could be that much better 
24 slots of teams better than the best of all time. You know, I know it's a limited number of games, but if you set aside Kyrie and the uncertainty around him, which I'm not saying you can necessarily, I think on the court, they were a proven commodity, even though there wasn't a ton of games. Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. Hey, I'm Doug Gottlieb. The podcast is called All Ball. We usually talk all basketball all the time, but it's more about the stories about what made these people love their sport and all the interesting interactions along the way. We talk to coaches. We talk to players. We tell you stories. You download it. You listen to it. I think you'll like it. Listen to All Ball with Doug Gottlieb on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And RJ, we've been talking about the NBA Finals, and we've been recapping the Milwaukee Bucks championship. It was Giannis winning MVP, and it was the Bucks in six games after going down two zip that take home the crown. One thought. We were speculating yesterday when the Scott Foster and all the Chris Paul losing in the playoffs when he's been the ref, and we thought maybe this is a chance to show it's not true. Different people made a point that Commissioner Silver looked so ecstatic when Milwaukee won. It was a small market team. It was a high, an elite player that stayed with his team. Do you think maybe they so wanted Milwaukee to win that – if there was any sense of when do we put Foster in, that why not put him in when Milwaukee's at home and really solidify that chance? In hindsight, that's if there was any sense of when to use Foster, that kind of makes sense to me. I mean, yeah, if that were the case, I mean, I wish that were true. I, I, I hope that there's some evidence that would point that to be true because that would be a fun conversation to have. I just don't know how anybody would would be able to to prove that. I mean, well, I, I no. think I mean that's the whole point of this, right? Is you can't prove, as we talked about at length yesterday. For those that weren't listening yesterday, is if a referee has certain tendencies and you put them in because you want the results that those tendencies tend to. Um, that tend to happen as a result of those tendency. If, if you want that to be how things go, you don't have to tell people about it. But since even Chris Paul himself is talking about the effect Foster has, it seems like the NBA putting him in when it's not necessary a game, it doesn't feel... Do we we don't think that you think the NBA was unaware of this? No, I think they were aware of it. I just Adam Silver looking happy means that. that no, no, that's... I'm just what I meant was that that kind of uh, and Bill Simmons was talking about this. Oh no, actually this was on the Zach Lowe podcast. Is they were making the case about how good this was for the NBA, and you could see it on Silver. Not talking about Foster at all, but like Milwaukee winning really goes against a lot of the narratives the NBA doesn't like, right? Yeah, I I do think it was definitely a good for the NBA. Good to see a guy win it by staying with his team, not you know jumping to form the super team. Uh, Giannis even made comments about it afterwards, and I also think the NBA was thrilled to actually have a playoffs because we can call the bubble you know a success if we want to uh, this is what they're about like they're about these series these matchups and i think a lot of people really enjoyed the finals through and through we are straight out of vegas mvp odds for next season in the nba the favorite luca five to one kevin durant seven to one joel Embiid seven to one Giannis eight to one steph curry eight to one 
let's transition to the NFL and COVID. Have you been following, Jonas, the, the certain teams, specifically Washington football team and the Colts, are well below um, the goals of COVID vaccinations that the NFL has set uh, have you been following that story at all? Yeah, I mean, I, I've seen the teams that have come out. Um, obviously, when you think of COVID in the NFL, Cole Beasley is the guy who's really been at the center of attention because he's been adamant about not wanting to get vaccinated. Jerry Jones was saying, you know, the number of players um, and until they reach their threshold, he can count on one hand. So I, I do think it's still sort of a, a tricky situation. And as camps approach, I wonder how many more of those players are going to go out and, and get vaccinated and get it taken care of care of because they don't want to either be tested every day or put their team in jeopardy of you know losing yeah. a game because they felt like they weren't they didn't need to get vaccinated and the question is and this is being asked by serious batters is is it a competitive disadvantage for the teams that have fallen short or will have fallen short of the number and again washington and indianapolis seem to be the two prime suspects right now because of the extra effort and onerousness of the testing and the various other things that not not being certified would result in something to watch for sure last thought u.s women's soccer team 44 game unbeaten streak snapped losing three to nil as they say i think to sweden (laughs) and if you had bet sweden eight to one payoff before the game the u.s women's soccer team minus 170 to win the gold after the game, plus 120. So they went to plus money, less than 50%. Still the favor, but a big adjustment off that loss. Right out of Vegas! Vegas! 